<laughs> All right. Uh, welcome to the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, I'm joined in the podcast studio by Scott Mater. Scott, welcome to the show. Awesome. It's great to be here, Derek. Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm excited. You've already added tremendous value to my life already, to my business, and I'm excited about you sharing some principles that will begin to help other people out there as well, people that are tuned in to me. Of course, you have your own podcast. You're doing great things in your world with inspiredstewardship.com. And um, I want to go get a chance for people who don't know you. I want people to know a little bit about your, uh, your biography. So I'm going to read that now. If I mess up anything, feel free to jump in and correct me. I'm completely <laughs> okay. okay with that. So in 2017, Scott and his wife, Carrie, started Inspired Stewardship as a business to serve Christian men and couples that are struggling to live out their calling. They work to help align the, the way you use your time, your talent, and your treasures so that you can identify and live a fully authentic life that allows you to authentically live your calling, serve others, and provide for your family. As certified human behavior consultants and members of the John Maxwell team, they focus on helping you understand yourself, understand others, and through that understanding, build the kingdom. Scott and Carrie, through Inspired Stewardship, are living out their own calling that started with a call to coaching in 2011 and has slowly grown to a full-time business through one-on-one -on -one coaching, speaking, and workshops. Mm -hmm. I love the bio, and I'm excited that my, my listeners get a chance to tune into you, Scott. Well, I, again, I'm honored to be here, and, and thank you so much for saying I've added some value to your life. That actually means a lot to hear that. So yes, thank you, you have. There's, there's no um, exaggeration there. You really have. Thank you. All right. So let's jump into it. Um, what inspired you to get into coaching and speaking and training? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, the joke answer is insanity because uh -huh. quite frankly, you got to be a little bit crazy to mm -hmm. just number one, open your own business. Mm -hmm. Then number two, to think that you can open the kind of business that pours into others the way that coaching does, the way that speaking mm -hmm. does, the way that you know, doing those training sure. workshops, all of that stuff. But the truth is that going back even further, I've always been a coach. I've mm -hmm. always been a teacher. Even growing up, I was always the kid that like everybody else came to for help with mm -hmm. fill in the blank. Sure, you know? sure. Sure. A lot of it was help with homework because I was a nerd, <laughs> but, but it was also help with other stuff. You mm -hmm. know, I was always the guy that everybody kind of sought out. Mm -hmm. I was always the friend that was not just giving advice because your know, advice is common, but actually being able to talk with somebody even as a young person and kind of help them unplug and get out of their own way and start doing things that they really wanted to do nice and so reflecting on it i think i was always a coach mm -hmm. but what changed is in 2011 we started looking at it and going wait a minute maybe we could actually do this as a business mm -hmm. you know not just as a ministry not sure. just to help others but actually turn it into something that provided for our family mm -hmm. but also still continue to pour value into other people and yes. so that's what we kind of started doing back then i love that even in, i mean it captures even like this element of what's in your bio which is this idea of um, tuning into that life's calling, mm -hmm. you know, that life calling has been in your world, right. Since you were a child right. and helping people drawing out, you know, helping them to be effective and in, in, in that space. But then it just continued to happen. It sounds like throughout your journey and you say, you know what, let's make this something where we could generate revenue. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, and I think a lot of times for us, for, first off, I want to be real clear. You can have a calling that you live out and never turn that into a career. Right. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. It's it's not your calling should always make you money. Sure. Because um, I think a lot of times people get into that mode of, you know, well, my I, if I live my passion, I can't make money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
that's false. Sure. Or if I live my passion, I've got to make money. Right. Well, that's equally false. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, it could be a blend of it. Right. But in our case, it actually made sense to take that calling and that passion that, that we were really already living out and turn it into a business. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we started to work to do back sure. in 2011. I, I think I, re I respect that, deline that, that uh, delineation because um, what I found, and tell me what you found, but I found is like people get caught up in with this envy, you know, mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, like they might look at, oh, hey, Scott, Scott's living out his passion that's in, that's generating revenue and it's being their business. Right. And they go, oh, well, almost like what's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. I'm not generating revenue from my passion. Maybe I have to or I should. And they put like this unnecessary burden on themselves. Right. Like it's like an obligation in life. Like if you don't do that, then, you know, what's wrong with you? Right. Well, and you hear a lot of that in the, in the culture and the messaging of today. You know, there's a lot of messages where it's like, you know, oh, go live your dream, go live your passion, mm -hmm. you know, and, and use that to be the thing that that generates income in your life mm -hmm. you know you if and one of my friends actually puts it this way he says you you can have soul work which is work that feeds your soul mm -hmm. who you are at your core and yes. then you can have sacred work which is mm. work that you do is unto the Lord that actually generates your income sometimes those two things overlap mm -hmm. sometimes yes. they don't there's nothing wrong with either one. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's sometimes for some people, you do both. Some people, it's over here on the side, maybe in a volunteer capacity or in some other capacity that they live out their soul work. Okay, wonderful. That's There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. So a lot of it is kind of helping people deconstruct what they firmly believe is yes. the reality versus what are they really being called to do mm -hmm. into reality and then speaking that into being and creating that. I love it. I love that. Preaching, bro. Just keep preaching. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> so uh, speaking on passion, um, you are uh, most passionate about helping people get out of their own way and align their time, their talent, and treasures so they can live their true calling. So how did you focus, how did you choose to focus on these specific areas, the time, talent, and treasures? So, you know, I call myself a stewardship coach. Mm -hmm. um, that's the time, talent, and treasures. And mm -hmm. in some ways, it's because I want to reclaim that word for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times nowadays, when people hear the word stewardship in the church, when they hear it, you know, outside of the church, even it means one thing, mm -hmm. money. Mm. Usually it means grab your wallet because we're starting a building campaign and we need you to donate. You know, yes, that's usually yes. it's kind of like code for we, we're raising money. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you hear that in corporate world. You know, we're good corporate stewards. Mm -hmm. It usually means they have a good stock price. So, okay. You know, these aren't equivalent, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to reclaim that word and bring it back into alignment with what it really means, which mm -hmm. is taking all of the resources that you've been blessed with, everything mm -hmm. that you've been given by God, mm -hmm. and then using them. Yes. And using them in a way that grows not only you, not mm -hmm. only your family, but grows others. Yes. And so for me, what I discovered is, you know, one of my, quote, unique superpowers, one of the mm -hmm. gifts that mm -hmm. I have is digging in with people and asking them those questions and really getting them to think so that they can get out of their own way. Because mm -hmm. more often than not, I figured out that the biggest barrier between us and living out what it, we're called to do mm -hmm. is us. Wow. <laughs> you know? We stand in our own way. Uh -huh. And usually it's because we put up things around either the way we use our time, the way mm -hmm. we use our talent, or the way we understand our talent, mm -hmm. or the way we use our money, our treasures. Nice. And if you can get those into alignment, everything else falls into place. Oh, wow. Okay. So one. Um, as a speaker, I love the alliteration, right? Um, <laughs> the the time, the talent, and treasures, but then it, it makes it memorable, right? The right. you know the three T's, um, but I think it's uh it's a bold, 
but powerful and, and it resonates to me as um valid and truthful that if you can figure out those three areas mm -hmm. that and your your phrase everything falls into place when you figure out those three and it's fascinating because we all have talent you know we all have time and then we all have treasure right in one way or another um i love that so maybe we'll we'll jump on the time elements because I think that's something that immediately stood out to me in meeting you, whatever it was, six weeks ago now? Or uh, yeah, six, eight, something like that. Yeah. And then um, I think it was like, the you know, we exchanged business cards. You immediately re responded to me, you know, the next day and we began discussing or I think I, I maybe took a few more days to respond back. But then when we started interacting about what you do um, and setting up a, a time to connect, I, I think what jumped out to me is how efficient this man is. He's efficient, he's effective. Um, it, 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 the, the, um, it's like, I, I thought this guy optimizes his time. It's very fluid. Um, so talk about that, it's specifically how you maximize productivity in your coaching business and even in, with networking. Mm -hmm. So I unpack a couple of things there. And the first one I want to be clear on is this difference between being busy and being productive. Mm -hmm. Because in today's culture, we hold up being busy mm -hmm. as a badge of honor. Sure. You know, I mean, the first thing you do, right? How, how are things good? And I, I think I even said it to you today, like when we talked, uh -huh. oh, I've been busy. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we all say that. We, mm -hmm. It's just a normal way of saying that. And it, it's kind of deconstructing that and recognizing that busyness by itself means nothing because mm -hmm. you can spend all day doing a whole bunch of stuff and still get to the end of the day and go, man, I didn't get anything done today. <laughs> right, right, you know, right, right, I mean, right. right? I uh -huh. mean, and yet you were busy every hour of the day. And it's mm -hmm. like, how, how does that feeling jive? Because truly, mm -hmm. if you were busy every hour of the day, you should have gotten something done. You right, know, at right. the end of the day, you should have some feeling of, wow, yes. I've accomplished something. But the reality is that we don't. Mm -hmm. The reality is instead of focusing on how are we using our time and maximizing it, use the word efficiency. Mm -hmm. You know, efficiency is work over time, right? It's it's how much work you get done in a unit of time. Mm -hmm. The the problem is to be more efficient. It's not just cram more stuff in. Mm -hmm. It's figure out the ways to systematize it, to turn it into processes, to make sure that the right things happen every single time, the wrong things happen, you know, never mm -hmm. or as little as possible. Because right, right. let's face it, it's never not never. It's never right. never. Right, right. So like as an example, when when I meet people at a networking event, um, I have a, a left pocket and a right pocket rule. And I stole this from somebody else. So I was taught this. So I'll teach everybody else. Sure, sure. The idea is that Whenever you meet somebody, a lot of times, you know, you get to know them a little bit in a networking event. You ask some questions, you're talking to them, you're mm -hmm. getting information about what they do. And you know, man, Derek, man, these, this is somebody I want to follow up with. I, mm -hmm. I want to have him on my show. I want to interact with him. Maybe I want to do business with him, whatever mm -hmm. it is. Sure. That card goes in my rock pocket. Got it. On the other hand, sometimes you meet somebody, it's like, probably not going to put a lot of energy into nurturing this relationship. It's mm -hmm. just not going to be a good fit either sure. professionally. There's no fit personally. There's no fit, whatever mm -hmm. that card goes in my left pocket. Wow. So those left pocket cards, they do go home and they get filed. Sure. 
I may get around to following up with those people eventually. Probably not. <laughs> okay. So if somebody's listening in has never never met you yet. Yeah, they, they, they you, see they, me put it in my pocket. Which pocket is this going in? <laughs> you do have to be careful about sharing this with people that you didn't network with. <laughs> right, so, you right. know, it's uh, some of you may may see me someday and go, oh, great. He put me in the left pocket. Uh, <laughs> um, but that's okay. You know, it, it, but in, on the other hand, those folks in the right pocket, what I do is I actually, if I know I'm going to be at a networking event, let's say for an hour, I actually put an event on my calendar for after I get home for about 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is I go through those right pocket cards. Yes. And I've usually jotted down notes. So like after I had the conversation with you, I wandered off. I took your card out and I wrote a couple of notes on the back of the card, um, things I wanted to remember. Okay, yes. he's a coach, he does a podcast. Mm -hmm. What do I want to follow up on? So when I get home, I take those notes, I take my memory because it's fresh, Yes. and I go ahead and craft the email that I'm going to send to you. Mm -hmm. Or I put an event on my task list, hey, if I want to call the person, you know, what? how do I want to follow up? Mm -hmm. But I create that already right then and there. Yes. And in your case, I wrote the email, scheduled it to go out the next day. Mm-hmm. So from your point of view, 24 hours passed, I followed up. Mm -hmm. Reality is I followed up 30 minutes after the event, but you didn't get the email. <laughs> yeah, I got it, <laughs> got it. And, and that's kind of creating a system and a process. Now think about that. The real truth is there's no magic in any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just the fact that I've been very intentional and very deliberate about saying, okay, I want to have a system. Yes. Because otherwise what happens is you end up with a stack of business cards at home and you never followed up with any of these people and you might as well just shred them. Wow. You know, they're useless. Mm -hmm. They've mm -hmm. done nothing nothing for you. They've done nothing for the other person. They've done nothing for your business. Mm -hmm. Why bother? Right. And yet that's what a lot of us do at networking events. So that's an example. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously you can do this with almost any area of your life. Sure. You can look for the places that you do a task that's repetitive. Yes. Then you want to create a system or a process or an automation. Yes. Okay? And if it doesn't require your brain, automate it. Mm -hmm. If it does require your brain, because crafting the email, I can't automate that. It needs to be personal to you. Right, right. That required my brain, mm -hmm. so I can create a system and process to force myself to do it. Yes. Man, uh, so one, that is gold. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think about each part of the your process you just explained, because it adds... The phrase that you used was intentionality to my networking. Right. And it's, it's, it's just crazy. I think, I think of the, the word discernment. As you're networking with people, you're discerning, mm -hmm. you know, hey, mm -hmm. right pocket, left pocket, right, you know? Right. And of course, you're giving them your undivided attention, but ultimately you're thinking, um, where is this connection going to go down the line? Right. And um, and I, I love that intentionality, the right pocket, left pocket. I'm totally going to use that. So And, uh, and I'll, be, I'll be truthful. More people make the right pocket than the left. Mm-hmm. That because, But there are some folks that it's just very clear early on that, you know, I, I have you ever heard of Card Ninja? A you, card ninja? Card ninja. Card ninja, no. Okay, Sorry. so sometimes when you go to meetups or events, you're, you're met by card ninjas. Mm -hmm. These are the people that are throwing their business card, okay. like throwing stars, you, right, know? Right, right. <laughs> you know? It's like, ah, oh, I got a paper cut. You know, what are you doing? Um, oftentimes, I don't want to follow up with those folks. Okay. Okay, because yeah. they're just looking for the quick connection. They're not actually looking to build a relationship of any sort. They're mm -hmm. not interested in this being a two-way street. They just want to sell you their stuff. Yeah, you know, and unless it's the stuff that I actually need, I, I don't want to open that door. Sure. So those are the folks usually that make the left pocket, ah, if that makes sense. It does. It does. The card ninjas. The card ninjas almost automatically go Almost automatically <laughs> in the left pocket. <laughs> yes. Um, I love that. And, then I, and I love how you, uh, I, I also want to highlight, you said, um, if it doesn't take your brain, automate it. Right. If not, 
process. And it was, it was the third one. Turn it into a system and a process. System and a process. Mm -hmm. That speaks that speaks to my corporate uh, leaning so much mm -hmm. as far as corporate training. Right. Um, so I'm with that. And one. the discernment in that is figuring out: is this something I should automate? Okay. There's also another option, right, which is delegate. So that's outsourcing to someone else's brain. Mm, yes. Okay. And sometimes that's the right thing to do, but especially when you're first starting out, it's usually either automate or turn it into a system and process that yes. does it every time. Okay. Let's talk about your calendar, right? So you, you mentioned that to me before and I've seen it, right? You, I think when we first connected, you're like, oh yeah, go set some time on my calendar. So, mm -hmm. um, I had to go in and then look to see when, when there is availability and then it says schedule that. T tell us a little bit about the process you implement um, when it comes to your building out your calendar. So that again is an example of an automation tool. Mm -hmm. So I use an online calendar tool. There's a million of them out there, so I'm not even gonna say the name of it because honestly it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Pick one. Sure, <laughs> you sure. know? Uh -huh. And I sent you a link and it what it shows, the only thing you can see is the time that I've chosen to make available to people to schedule time. Mm -hmm. So for instance, Thursday for me is a business process day. I build my business on Thursdays. So when you looked for time, Thursdays were never available. Got it. Okay, mm -hmm. you don't even see it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even come up as an option. I work with clients literally worldwide. So mm -hmm. I've got a client right now in Dubai. Mm -hmm. He sees the times that are available on my calendar. They're pretty late at night or early in the morning for him. Mm -hmm. Guess what? He's usually on a phone call with me at like one in the morning, his time. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because again, the only time he sees is available is, mm -hmm. is my time. I'm very deliberate about guarding the time that I want for family, that I want for church, that I yes. want for my Sabbath, that I want to build my own business and work on my own systems and processes. Mm -hmm. I put all of that time, block it off. Mm -hmm. Now you as a user, you see just what's available. You find something that works for you. You schedule it automatically on my calendar my my internal calendar mm -hmm. it sets up an event it actually builds the zoom link and sent it to you mm -hmm. so you've got the zoom call link because yes. i use zoom a lot right. why because now i can talk to you and see you face to face but i don't have to drive sure because i live in the middle of nowhere right right and does all of that and it actually creates a buffer event on my calendar of about five minutes before and five minutes after yes. with an alert so that no, I don't accidentally schedule another event right up against a call. And now I'm scrambling to make it from one meeting to the next. Mm -hmm. It gives me a little buffer time. Yes. Plus that gives me a pop up. And so I can sign in early. And so now you as a user, you sign into the Zoom. Wow, Scott's already here. Mm -hmm. You know, as a client, as a as somebody on the other end, that shows deliberation, that shows intentionality, that shows that you care. Mm -hmm. You know, doesn't always work. There's still times that I screw it up because right, right, right. there always is. But that's an example of building an automation system yes. to guard my time and use it well. And so from the client point of view, that shows them the intentionality of me taking the time and caring about them. Exactly. If that makes sense. It, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's fascinating. I think it's, a, it's an upward call to me, right? I'm, I'm still using a very a paper pencil uh, mm -hmm. system. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. But to your point about... Um, is that the most efficient use of my time? Because often, here's, this is what happens, is um, I'm looking at my calendar, that I'm asking them about their calendar, right. and then, they're, and then they, they give me, oh, that doesn't work, but these work. Then I'm going, no, that doesn't work, but then do these work. And then we're having this back and forth, and I'm asking as you're speaking, is that the most effective and efficient use of both of our times? Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to doing it in your system, it's, they just look, schedule it, done. And if they can't find something that fits, they'll come back and tell you. Mm -hmm. they'll say, yeah, I couldn't find anything on your calendar that works. Now you get to make a deliberate choice of, do I want to open up some other times? Or is this not worth 
pursuing this relationship. Right. So again, back to the client in Dubai. The first time he looked at my calendar and he says, all of these times are like eight, late at night, early in the morning for me. And I said, I understand. These are the only times I have available. You know, maybe maybe we don't want to move forward with the coaching. Mm -hmm. And he came back and said, oh, no, 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 no. I want to move forward with the coaching. I'll find a time that works. And he scheduled a call. And so he's usually, like I said, on midnight, one o'clock. That's usually when his local time mm -hmm. when he's on with me. Sure. So he just takes one night a week and stays up a little later because why? It's valuable to him that what yes. he's getting back in forms of coaching. Yes. I love that. That Again, I think uh, I'm so glad people are going to be able to hear this later. <laughs> and then I'm going to be able to implement it. And I think, as you know, with the, from a coaching perspective, I think I try to apply this as much to myself as possible is uh, the magic happens with application. Right. 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 So, you gotta do I it. mean, you, you give me the best principles in the world, but I do nothing with it. But it's one of those things where. I want this to change me, you know, hearing what you said about using that calendar. I want to use that personally. And I'm excited for people uh, tuning in for them to also maximize that as well. Um, so next one I have for you is when did you first see yourself as an effective coach? Yeah. So that's, you know, that, that kind of question is always funny because at, at one level, my answer would be, I haven't yet, you know, mm -hmm. and, the, and the reason why I say that, cause that sounds silly. Cause you know, you're wait, you've been coaching for years. You're doing this successfully. People are paying you money. Obviously right, you're right. effective because mm -hmm. you're providing value. Otherwise this wouldn't continue. You'd exactly. be out of business. Exactly. Um, and so I, I definitely know that I am, I'm good at what I do. I have effectiveness as a coach. Mm -hmm. The reason why I say that there's still part of me that says it hasn't happened yet is because for me, every single day I do this, every client I meet with, every book I read, every course I take, every hour I spend getting myself better at my core skills mm -hmm. makes me go, oh man, boy, last year when I did such and such, that wasn't as good as it could have been. Wow, you know, right, I, right, right. I, I still can get better. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I hesitate using words like effective or mastery is the other one. When did you master this skill, right? Mm -hmm. Because it kind of has inherent in it this feeling of I've arrived. Sure. I've become an effective coach. I've learned all I need to know about mm. coaching. And now <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, and that's not true mm. ever. I mean, it's always a journey. There's always another step. There's always another thing you can learn. That being said, you know, go back to the very beginning. Again, I realized later in life that with mm -hmm. reflection, we can always connect the dots in reverse, right? right, right you right. look back on your life mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you start going, oh, that connected to that, that connected to that, yes. that connected. But while you're living it, it doesn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. It feels chaotic. Sure. And so looking back on my life, I think I started being an effective coach even at like 12, 13, 10 years old. Nice. You know, mm -hmm. it, it just wasn't, but I, I still had a ton to learn. I still wasn't mm -hmm. doing it 100% the right way. I've still gotten better at it today than I was then. Yes. I love that. Um, and I, I love the journey of growth. I think that's something I always respect about anybody, right? Um, who's continuing to look for ways to get better, to refine mm -hmm. the process. Because, you know, we're going to be doing that. We can potentially be doing that for the rest of our lives. And that's always people that I happen to um, be attracted to mm -hmm. as far as like to learn from and grow, mm -hmm. grow from. And then I find that people are also, you know, drawn to me that also want that in, in, in their own life. You know, for me, it's, uh, it's even as simple as um, going back to look at speeches, you know, mm -hmm. like. Um, and I ask myself, how did the audience respond? How did it feel? And then I'm asking myself about like the stories or illustrations, right? right. Because it's like whatever, 65, 75% stories at this point in my speaking career, but it's 
looking at those things and, and, and going, um, how can that have been better? Or did I add too much detail or was it not enough detail? Did I hit mm -hmm. people emotionally the way I wanted to? Um, but I think uh, I always respect people who are on this perpetual path of progress, if you will. Right. Now, that being said, I'm going to call out something again, just for, for listeners. Mm -hmm. There's a danger inherent in that too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is more often than not, the worst critic of anything we've done is ourselves. Right. 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 We, we look at anything we did and we go, Oh God, that was, <laughs> that was terrible. Right, you know? right. Oh, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. You know, mm -hmm. you, I'm sure you, you oh, yes. rip your own speeches apart. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet you could have seen that exact same speech given the exact same way by somebody else on YouTube. And you might've said, Hey, yeah, there's a couple of things I would have tweaked, but man, that's pretty solid, mm -hmm. you know? Yes. So we tend to be our own worst critic. Sure. And so you have to temper that, that internal drive to constantly get better with the realization that that doesn't mean you're doing it badly. Exactly. Right. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It, yes. Better isn't the same as you're, you're doing it bad. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. And I, I think you remind me a couple of things. You reminded me of one better never stops is a good thing, right. but not good enough is not, is not something we're aiming at as far as self messages, self affirmations. Right. In fact, I think uh, after I gave a speech on uh, Thursday and my wife asked me how it went, I was like, I said, yeah, it was, I mean, <laughs> she was like, she was like, it was that bad. And I was like, no, it was like a 99 out of a hundred. You know, I felt really good about it, but, you, but there's still elements of, um, should I have changed the purpose? Right. Like I would have used the same stories, same, same points, but what I was trying to get from the audience is something that I'll, I'll go back when w that I picked the right purpose, you mm -hmm. know, or, um, so that's something that I didn't know we were having a conversation, but it was interesting. Her perception of the way I was describing it made it seem like it was a fail. And I was like, no, like actually it was pretty good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it's, it's to your point of even how we can describe it to other people, they could think that it was, you know, horrific. Right. But I didn't feel that way at all. But, um, but, but it's interesting to think about how we, we can overly criticize ourselves for sure. Right. Well, I've had the experience of speaking in a room, I don't know, probably 150, 200 people. Mm -hmm. And I asked the question, how many of you have a voice inside your head that talks to you? Of course. Right. Mm -hmm. Every hand goes up. Yes. Right? Yes. I said, now, how many of you is that voice really positive and uplifting? And every hand went down. Wow. And it's like, wait a minute. Really? You mm -hmm. know, that's the voice we have. More often than not, that's the voice we have. Mm -hmm. We have the voice that's constantly sniping at us, telling us you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. You haven't succeeded yet. You haven't arrived yet. Yes. You know, you're not doing as good as fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's your sister. Sometimes it's your brother. Sometimes it's a total stranger. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, you're comparing, comparing yourself to everyone else. Mm -hmm. And th the truth is that voice is lying. Well, wow. you know, mm -hmm. always. Mm -hmm. And yet that's the voice more often than not we hear. Well, wow. mm -hmm. hey, that's another one that's going in my files right there. <laughs> I'm going to use that in the speech, by the way. <laughs> You're welcome to it. Yes. Um, so let's talk about the, um, for a coach who's starting out, what do you think is the biggest obstacle they will have to overcome in building their client base? What would you, what would you say on that one? So I'm actually going to give two answers. Okay. Okay. Um, the first one is the one I just referenced, mm -hmm. which is that limiting beliefs. Yes. We all have them. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
by the way, I've torn down a ton of limiting beliefs and guess what's on the other side of them? More limiting, more limiting <laughs> beliefs, right? You know? And and you rip those down and it's like, great, there's even more, you know? It's like, I, I don't, I haven't found, if there's a bottom, you know, it's turtles all the way down. I don't know mm. if you've ever heard that expression. No, the, no, no. A, a Native American, there was a tribe that said that the earth rested on the back of a giant turtle mm. and one of the you know, white person questioning them says, well, what's the turtle standing on? And they said, a turtle. And they said, well, what's that turtle standing on? They said, it's turtles all the way down. Oh, okay. okay. So, you know, the idea of yeah. that, you know, you don't need to explain it. <laughs> okay. yeah, uh -huh. So we do that kind of thing where we always, I don't think there's ever an end to where our limiting beliefs are. Mm -hmm. We, we, we tear them down and we discover more. So always, I don't care where you are in business. I don't care if you're at the very beginning. I don't care if you're at the very end. There's always more work you can do on your own belief system, your own internal dialogue, your own wow. what you believe you can and cannot accomplish. So that's mm -hmm. number one, period. Mm -hmm. Let me give a practical answer, too, because sure, that sure. one, a lot of times people are like, oh, great. You know, <laughs> <laughs> now what? You know, um, but honestly, that's where working with a therapist, working with a counselor, working with other a mastermind. You know, there's different ways you can plug yourself into having an accountability partner. Yes. Those are all tools to attack those limiting beliefs. Yes. You may need one. You may need all of those. Mm -hmm. You know, I I lean towards all of them personally. <laughs> I need a lot of help. So, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. But the more practical one is I think as a, especially as a coach starting out. We have a tendency to get focused on the completely wrong stuff. Mm -hmm. And again, you can you can extend this out from coaching and go to other business too. Sure. We talk about, you know, what should I put on my website? Mm -hmm. We talk about, you know, what should I have on my business card? We should talk about what should I whatever, mm -hmm. right? We get obsessed about all of these kind of practical sort of, you know, mechanical things. Mm -hmm. The real truth is you want to know what grows a coaching business? Conversations. Mm. A lot of them. A lot of conversations. With a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sometimes you're doing those conversations on social media. Sometimes you're doing those conversations in person. Sometimes you're doing those conversations on a podcast. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's out there talking to people time after time after time about what do you do? Who do you do it for? And what's the transformation? What's the value? Why do people care? Okay. Mm -hmm. If you begin to understand people's problem well enough that you can articulate it, yes, then all of a sudden you'll find that you've got the solution too. Wow. Okay. And they'll believe it. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden you've got clients. Mm -hmm. And the real truth is if you're a coach with no clients, it's a hobby. Wow. Powerful. Once you have mm -hmm. clients, now it's a business mm -hmm. okay, or potentially a business, assuming you're doing this as charging, mm -hmm. you know, making money as a business, not doing it as a ministry. Yes. Then now, now it's a business and then you can start growing it. Then you can start systemizing it. Then you can start processing it. You know, you can start going through all those other steps of taking that business and turning it into something that becomes a lasting legacy for you. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, so I think takeaway for me is that uh, conversations, conversations, conversations have a whole bunch of them. But then to find that they're, uh, I guess, their relevant need, mm -hmm. you know, to see what, what they need and then um, how the service of coaching can be of, uh, of value to them in their relevant need. Mm -hmm. and, and again, you know, like one of the things I do, like. I'll talk about an assessment call. So if a, somebody comes up and they, they want to talk about coaching, I have a 30 minute call with them. No obligation, no free. I don't close people on the call. 
like a lot of coaches will tell you and a lot of coaching systems and processes will teach you, you know, do the hard close. This is the, you know, at the end of the call, you know, it's a thousand dollars, sign up now, you know, price goes up tomorrow kind of thing. Mm -hmm. What I call a hard close. First off, that's not my style. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to do something that's antithetical to my style because it won't come across as authentic and real. So instead, I use a soft close, which is a 24-hour close, which is, you know, hey, as a coach, one of the things I like to teach people to do is you should always take time to make a large financial decision. You don't ever want to impulse on this sort of stuff. So you got 24 hours to make the decision, pray about it, think about it, seek other input, whatever you need to do. Within 24 hours, you need to reach out to me, send me a text, send me an email, send me a smoke signal, carrier mm. pigeon. I don't care, but get a hold of me and let me know I'm in or I'm out. And then we'll go forward from there. Nice. Okay. So that's an example of a way of doing a soft close. Mm-hmm. That's more in alignment with who I am. And therefore, it works better for me. Doesn't mean it'll work for everybody, but that's that's a practical tip. I like that. I like it. I'm going to use that one. <laughs> um, another one I'm using. Okay. Um who would you say is the, was the biggest influence in your professional co- coaching journey? So again, I'm going to give two answers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you keep asking for one and I'm going to give you <laughs> two fine, every time. So the, <laughs> excuse me. Mm-hmm. So the first one is my mother. Okay. Okay. Um, my mother by far is the biggest hero that I've ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, she's the person that in many, many ways I emulate, I look at and I go, this is who I want to be when I grow up, you know? Um, my mom is a natural coach. She's never really been trained as a coach. She was never, that was never anything that she set out to do. She doesn't do it professionally, but she was a school teacher for years. Then she was a vice principal. Then she was a principal. Mm -hmm. She's always been the person that in her church and organizations, you know, she was always somebody that rose up and became a leader Mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form. That doesn't necessarily mean she had a leadership position, but she was always a leader. Mm -hmm. I've always been amazed with my mom's ability to pour into other people just naturally. Yes. Okay. And I've tried to emulate that as a coach. Now I'm a little bit more systematic than she is and that sure. she's got a natural talent for it. I've had to learn how to do it, yes, yes, <laughs> you right, know? Right. Mm-hmm. but, but that's one. And then the second one, just to kind of give a more, you know, quote, professional answer. I've also been a huge admirer of Dan Miller and what he does as a coach and the way mm-hmm. he coaches. So Dan Miller is the author of 48 days to the work you love, yes. no more dreaded Mondays, a mm-hmm. couple of other things. I've had the pleasure of meeting him several times, spending time with him. And in terms of coaching, he's somebody that I look at and go, I want to coach the way he does. Wow. You know, the way he sets it up and does it is awesome. Now, I've also surrounded myself with a mastermind full of coaches from all over the country, all over the world mm-hmm. that are also very much in that same mindset. So I learn from all of them every day. Yes. But, you know, when I first started out, those two folks were the biggest influence on my coaching business. Right. I love to hear that. And uh, it's interesting. Uh, two, of the, two of the books I think you mentioned, I have them over on the bookshelf, but I don't think I've ever read those. Really? But uh, I have them, but I've never like uh, dug into them. But to think about it from the, I think I bought them when I was still in the corporate world and mm-hmm. I was thinking about, you know, pretty much what he's talking about, like making um, that, the, the the change in your career and doing something you're um, fulfilled with and all of that. Um, but it's, it's fascinating to think about that other angle of his content and using it to help other people mm-hmm. with these same principles. Yep. Um, 
Awesome. And then, and then also you're with your mom. You made me reflect on how influential my mom was in the journey and learning and listening and deliberate questions and drawing out and all of that as well. So I, I love hearing about their influence over you. So um, what would you say is, uh, is what's a unique challenge you have overcome in your professional coaching journey? So the first question is, how long do we have on this podcast? Because I could go on for about four and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> this will rapidly turn into a therapy session if we're not careful. So um, uh, we usually cap it at 60 minutes. Oh, okay. I think, okay. I think, I think well, I'll, I'll give you the short version. Then. <laughs> no, do, do the long version. <laughs> do, the, do the longer, short version. <laughs> so the, you know, the truth is, I mean, there, every day, right? It, there's, mm -hmm. there's a new challenge that comes up. There's something new that comes up. That's just part of being in business. Mm -hmm. But for me, I think the, the single kind of thing that I can call out is I, again, I'm going to go back to where I live and kind of how I live. So I live out in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. I live 45 minutes from the closest Starbucks, McDonald's or Walmart. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. We drive an hour to go to the grocery store, you know, this kind of thing. Yes. And that's very deliberate because we've chosen to live out there. That's how we want to live. Mm -hmm. Truth is five years ago, 10 years ago, it would have been really hard to have had a successful coaching business living where I live. Sure. Because there's no audience, mm -hmm. right? There's mm -hmm. no, I mean, there are a few thousand people living around me, but they're all living on, you know, the same way we are, which is on a big piece of property with no one nearby. Mm -hmm. Th they all drive to go to work. Right. You know, they're not seeking coaches out where we live. Mm -hmm. The advent of the internet has changed that. You know, now I can, like I said, I've I think right now I have clients in five countries, mm, you know, yes, that wouldn't have been true 10 years ago. Right, um, right. So the, the big challenge is, is this idea of how do you grow a business without physically being present? Mm -hmm. Now, how do you effectively coach people without being in the room together? Yes. How do you build those systems and processes to do this well in a way that works and can mirror out across the world, um, you know, again, client in the UK, what's the same, what's different? You mm -hmm. know, because there are cultural differences, there's financial differences, there's challenges that are unique, but as a coach, you can still bring value to those people if you really focus on how you can do that despite those differences, mm -hmm. or you can focus on the challenges and the differences and never do it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I'm hearing, um, so the, the virtual space, which I love, I think I always love innovation, right? Um, how, when I think about you and I do think about you've um, adapted incredibly well to the times so that your business is able to transcend physical presence and transcend industry, transcend location. And, um, and then the effectiveness, it's, it's not just one job or occupation, but it can go beyond that and, and help people in a variety of capacities. Um, and I love the, uh, I think, so I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking from the listener's perspective and, and they're going, how does this guy, because you talked about the, I'm, I'm going to connect two, two ideas. Talked about building a coaching business, about having a ton of conversations, <laughs> right? And then they're, then you're, they're hearing and understanding that you live in the middle of nowhere. You, you mentioned like a lack of audience. So I know because I'm, I, I'm in touch with, with what you do is you do a, a whole like boatload worth of um podcasts right uh, you do like what five six a week we do six now six a week okay. yeah. so six you started week. as five but now it's six okay so i i know that part that part and so people could know about it as well now 
um, when they're going, how is he building this, this virtual business, this virtual coaching business in the middle of nowhere um, with uh, a scarce audience um, physically, but then able to have this impact? Like people, people are probably going, contradictory. How, how did he get UK and then Dubai? And like, how do you get clients internationally? I think is what people are going to are curious about. So a couple of things uh, to call out. First off is, again, we're going to go right back to intentionality. Mm. I mean, you don't do that by accident. You do it with intentionality. Mm -hmm. So number one, yes, I have a podcast. Well, podcast today, guess what? They can be listened to in Saudi Arabia. That's right. Even though they're here in the U.S. Doesn't matter. There's people in the U.K. listening to podcasts from the U.S. Mm -hmm. Just the same way there's people in the U.S. listening to a podcast from the U.K., right? right, right. You know, it goes both ways. So that's an example of, of, a, of an avenue of having conversations to, that doesn't require the physical presence. Yes. Now, I still have physical presence. You know, I'm still part of a BNI. I still go out and network and do all of those sorts of things and mm -hmm. look for customers that are local or that, you know, are in San Antonio or, or one of the big cities in the area, that kind of thing. Sure. But even then, I try to move them to a virtual relationship because mm -hmm. I don't want to drive, you know, an hour and a half to go meet with them. Right. Not because I don't want to drive an hour and a half to go meet with them, but because that's not an efficient use of my time or their time. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it burns up a lot of energy. Yes. And so that's part of it. Creating the deliberate channels to have the communication, to have the conversation start through social media, through podcast, through, you know, website and those sorts of things. Now, earlier I said, don't focus on all of that stuff at the beginning. Mm hmm. Very deliberate. That's at the beginning of mm -hmm. the of the coaching meeting. As you grow in the business, you want to create those other channels. The other way is I'm very deliberate about looking for people that aren't just my client. Okay, it's wonderful to meet a client. Yes, it's great to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, I would rather meet somebody who serves the people that I ultimately want to have as clients in a tangential way. Mm -hmm. The person who could turn into a referral partner yes. who's a golden goose. There we go. Right? Mm -hmm. So then that I've been very deliberate about trying to seek those relationships out. Get on a podcast with somebody who's who talks to the people that I most want to serve. Mm-hmm promote myself. Yes. Okay. Get on a website and create a blog, you know, a, a guest post with somebody whose audience is right up the alley of the people that I want to serve. Those mm -hmm. are examples. Yes. Meet somebody who, who can give a business that's beneficial to my client, but who also serves people who could use my service. And let's create a relationship where they can pass me a referral and I can pass them a referral. We both win. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Though, and that's, you know, BNI is an example of a type of networking event that's in person that's structured to do that. Right. There are others. BNI is not the only one. Mm -hmm. But you can do the same thing online, too. You can look for people that are serving in the space that is tangential. They have the same client. They have the ideal client that you wanted to get in front of. Right. But they're not doing what you do. Right. Okay. And then leverage those conversations and be very deliberate to have those conversations. And the interesting thing is, and e even asking your own clients for referrals. I mean, it's amazing to me. And I, I used to be terrible about this. And again, I've learned how to do it over the years. Mm -hmm. We'll have a great coaching relationship that they're telling you about how awesome this is. They say, everyone should do this. And you don't immediately go, great. Here's how you can tell other people about 
working with me. Mm-hmm. They just told you they want to tell everybody right, about it. Right, and right. you don't even ask. You uh-huh. don't give them the system. You don't give them the tools mm-hmm. to do it. You don't tell them how they can introduce other people to you and get that benefit. Why don't we do that? You know, that, so it's, again, that intentionality of creating the ideal processes to meet with referral partners, to still network online, to get your message out there and do it in a very targeted way. I prefer using a rifle over a shotgun. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go out on social media and blast everything. You'll eventually get some clients mm-hmm. or you can start looking for where are the places that if I have this conversation, it could turn into a hundred clients. Wow. Let me go have that conversation because mm-hmm. that's going to be a much more effective use of my time. Yes. I love that. Powerful, powerful content, Scott. Now, um, what has helped you to continue to grow in your coaching, training, speaking journey? So going back to an earlier answer where you asked me about the effectiveness and when did you first feel like you were an effective Mm -hmm. coach? Mm -hmm. I I think for me, it's realizing that I haven't arrived yet. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. still on that journey. Um, If you're not growing, you're dying, right? That's Mm -hmm. the common expression that people have probably heard. I really do believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, some of that is I'm just a natural learner. I'm just one of those people, you know, I, growing up as a kid, we had these things called encyclopedias. Right, right. You know, depending <laughs> on the age of your listeners, they may or may right, not know right. what I'm talking about. This was before the day of Google. Okay. Mm-hmm, I've got some yes. gray hair. So you know, I, I actually, I, I was born before Google mm-hmm. and I would read the encyclopedia. Nice. Okay. I've read the dictionary. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's weird. I know. (laughs) It's called, you know, I just love to read. And so if I didn't have anything else to read, I'd grab the dictionary and start, you know, it, it, by the way, it makes me really bad. You know, I'm good at words with friends because of this, because, you know, I've spent all that time. Nice. I, I'm, I, so some of it's just my natural bent. I'm a natural learner, but a lot of it again, gets back to being intentional about it and figuring out, okay, I want to get better at speaking. Great. How can I do that? Well, one way is by deliberately seeking out great speakers. Yes. You know, we're both part of John Maxwell mm-hmm. team. Boom. There's an example, right? Yes. Sit in the room and look at him giving a speech and deconstruct it. Yes. They've got, you know, Roddy is the the speaker trainer that does that lane. Masterful at teaching mm-hmm. speaking. There's other courses out there, Grant Baldwin and, you know, other folks that do speaking courses. Great avail yourself of those sorts of tools, but Mm. be deliberate and intentional about it. Yes. If speaking is where you're focusing, focus on speaking. If Mm -hmm. training is where you focus on training, you can always do the other ones later, you know, Mm -hmm. leverage. Because I think a lot of times what we try to do is do everything at once. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the same thing, you know, I, for me, the last few years I've been focused mainly on coaching. Mm -hmm. I'm now starting to add more of the speaking in. Mm -hmm. You've done more speaking and Mm -hmm. then, you know, leverage You can do it either way. One of the things I do for speaking is, again, practical tip, go to YouTube, find a motivational speech in a language you don't speak. Mm. Korean, Arabic, whatever. Mm -hmm. Watch it. Okay. You can do the same thing with an American one and just turn the sound off, but it's, it's a lot more effective if you can hear the tone. Sure. You can hear the, the volume, you can hear the pacing. Wow. But you're not understanding a thing that's being said. Mm-hmm. You'd be amazed. More often than not, you can figure out what they're talking about. Not necessarily the subject matter, mm-hmm. but you can tell when they're telling a story. You can tell when they're hitting some sort of fact or statistic. Mm-hmm. You can tell by, you know, by the body language. Is this a uplifting thing or is this something that's bringing the energy down? Mm-hmm. 
you can actually pace out and deconstruct the speech and yet you never understood a word. Wow. You know, these sorts of things, seeking out opportunities to figure out ways mm -hmm. either on my own or by availing myself of other listeners, you know, other tools, other teachers, other experts to pour into the areas that I'm focusing on today becomes the way that you kind of keep going on that journey all the way to the end. Yes. You know, and the end I think comes when you're buried. So uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> not done yet. <laughs> all right. Again, you gave me something else to use, you know, I'm going to have to go onto YouTube and listen to a few um, uh, speeches, motivational speeches in, in different languages. But yeah, I think, it's, uh, it's interesting how you can, you can understand more than you think, even mm -hmm. though you don't understand a word of the language. Wow. I love it. At least if the speech is well done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me ask you, uh, um, how are you using your speaking, coaching, training gift in the community? So for me, a lot of my community outreach actually comes in the form of the church. Mm -hmm. um, so it, within the Methodist church, I actually serve on a couple of different boards at the conference level. And I'm the conference and our district. Don't worry about what conference and district means. They're geographical areas. So just mm -hmm. leave it at that. Sure. I'm in charge of what they call the lay, lay servant ministries, mm -hmm. which is really it's a leadership development arm within the church, within the Methodist church, to take lay members and help them develop their gifts nice. around the areas of communicating, mm -hmm. caring, and leading. Mm -hmm. So I teach courses on that. I, I use those things. Plus, because of that and because I'm what they call a lay speaker, I serve as pulpit fill and organize pulpit fill for pastors when they're out. So I've been up in Granite Shoals and Eagle Pass and other places. Mm -hmm. Show up Sunday morning, give a 20-minute sermon, lead the worship service, go home. You know, okay. so drive seven and a half hours for a 20 minute sermon. Right, right, right. Yeah, I've done that, you know, mm. um, and sent other lay servants to do that. But beyond just the the act of serving myself and, and going and doing the speech, it's also even there, it's a way of pouring into others and developing their leadership skills, their communication skills so that they can go live out the way they want to live out their calling as a lay servant within the church becomes the wider way that I'm taking those exact same skills that I do over here as a business. I'm pouring into into the church community to bring up more leaders within the church. Oh yes, I love that. Giving me all kinds of ideas and uh, dreams and visions <laughs> of uh, of um, just possibilities. Because um, in it's fascinatingly enough, over the last two years, I've had a lot more conversations with small church leaders, mm -hmm. and then some of the the challenge and the struggle that a small church can have, right? Um, and one of it is with, with the the leader, as as you pointed out, is traveling and maybe at a conference or maybe speaking at another right. uh, location, they're thinking about who's the next guy up in my congregation. And in a complete um, raw, um, authentic manner, um, they've described at times that their, their next guy up, it's, it's a significant drop off in quality mm -hmm. and, and a skill. Now they have a great heart, they have a noble heart, but the skill isn't, it, it, it creates a, um, there's so much lost momentum. Right. And uh, so what you're saying, though, as far as not just being that, but then training people to be equipped as the lay leader to, how do you call it? Pulpit what? Pulpit, Pulpit fill. Pulpit fill. Yeah, fill in uh, for the right, pastor. Exactly. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, and I, I love the idea, and I could see how it's such a, um, a pillar need. Um, especially the, of the smaller churches where they might not have the the resources mm -hmm. to even um, pay somebody 
significantly or even a, a, even they might not be able to pay a, a um, qualified speaker somewhere else to come on in. But uh, and, and they don't necessarily have anyone in their own congregation. Exactly. Who's, who's been because it takes a very deliberate act to I mean, if you haven't <laughs> this, let me call it out. Crafting a sermon is a very unique kind of speech. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it's it's very different than a motivational speech or an informational speech. There's different kinds of sermons. Knowing how to go about doing that yes. in a way that is very effective, that's a skill. Right. I mean, it, it's not, you know, pastors learn how to do it because they're taught how to do it, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. Well, in theory, they're taught how to do it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they aren't, but they should be, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and the good ones are either by other pastors or through their own education. Sure. So we do the same thing within the laity. It's, it's teaching them. And the other thing is focusing on the areas that you are most interested in. So if they're not interested in speaking, I don't try to teach them how to do pulpit fill because mm -hmm. they're going to hate it and yes. they're not going to be good at it. Right. Okay. And they're going to burn out. They may be focused more on the caring part. So like my wife, my wife does not want to do pulpit fill. She doesn't want to speak in the church. Mm -hmm. We finally gotten her to the point where she'll be the assistant. Okay, but she doesn't want to be the main person on stage. That's just not her sure. calling. That's not her gifting. That's not what she's good at. That's not what she wants to do. Right. But you know what? She runs the visitation ministry for our church. She's mm. the one that's scheduling all the hospital visits and making sure somebody shows up and is praying with the person when they go in the hospital and they have surgery. She's there three in the morning, you know, wow. with people doing all of that stuff, mm -hmm. or she's making sure someone else is. Sure. Okay. Even before the pastor. Mm -hmm. I mean, now the pastor will be there too a lot of times. Yes. But my wife is making sure that there's, there is somebody there, even if the pastor is out of town, mm -hmm. you know, we're still taking care of the needs of the congregation. I, I would be terrible at that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, she's like, excellent at mm -hmm. it. So that's her gifting. Love me, it. give me 20 minutes and, you know, I'll prep a sermon and, and it'll be passable. It won't be knock you out of the park. I need mm -hmm. more time than that to really make a great one, mm -hmm. but I'll do it. You know, yes. it doesn't intimidate me just because that's. That's more my gifting. Mm -hmm. um, it's looking out at the larger church, the same thing, finding those people that have that gift already and then cultivating that gift within them. And as a pastor, you have to be deliberate about doing that. Not all pastors look at their laity in that way mm -hmm. in terms of cultivating the gifts that are there within their own congregation. Yes. I love that. I'm a... Uh... I'm, I'm enthusiastic and ready to go do something. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, before we close, I do want to um, ask you about your family, right? So tell, tell us about your favorite quality about your wife, Carrie, and then tell us about your favorite quality about your son, David. Okay. So my, my wife is the voice of God in my life. Mm -hmm. Now, before anyone overreacts and goes, wait, what are you doing? What I mean by that is, you know how, a lot of times whenever I'm praying, whenever I'm thinking about something and I've really got a challenge in my life and I'm taking it to God, that still quiet voice is the one that speaks into you and says, this is the way you should go. This mm -hmm. is what you should do. This is what's next. Mm -hmm. More often than not, that voice comes to me in the form of my wife. Nice. You know, she's the one that has always been on the same side of whatever dream I have. Mm -hmm. She's my biggest cheerleader. Mm-hmm. She's also sometimes my biggest critic, mm -hmm. you know, in a good way, in a good way. you know, not in a naggy wife way, but in a, in a virtuous woman way, mm -hmm. she's, she will speak into my life. And if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, she'll tell me, mm -hmm. you know, and call me out to be better. Yes. And 
that right there is an amazing quality to have in that person that you've partnered with. She's interested in our relationship always going to the next best level. She's mm -hmm. interested in our business always going to the next best level. Nice. But she's doing it in a way that is incredibly supportive, in a way that I've <laughs> I've emulated and learned from because I'm not always that supportive guy, you know, sure, and I sure. have to learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so I've learned a ton from her. But but that quality of being able to speak into a situation when I was ready to quit my corporate job and move into doing my own business, my wife's reaction was, "It's about time." Wow, you know, it wasn't, "Oh dear God, what are we going to do?" Right, it was right. wonderful. Mm -hmm. I've been so ready for you to do this and I'm happy you're doing it. Let's go. Yes. Okay. We'll make it work. Somehow or another, we'll make it work. Let's mm -hmm. go. So for my son, my son, David has, he's a big boy. Okay. So he's like six, three, six, four now, you know, 250 plus pounds, 270, something like that. Mm -hmm. Big old boy. And he has got a heart to match. He mm -hmm. has got the biggest heart of anyone I've ever met. Yes. Um, he he loves on people. He's his own big, biggest critic. We've talked about this earlier. You know, I'm always working with him on the idea of, you know, dude, you don't have to get it perfect to be, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's okay. Yes. But at the same time, whenever someone else is hurting, whenever one of his friends is hurting, he's always the first one there. You nice. know, he's always the first one to to care about them, to support him give them that that pat on the back and that cheerful mm -hmm. moment yes um the the interesting thing is you know as much as that's a huge strength for him i also look at it and worry because sometimes that's his biggest weakness mm -hmm. too because he won't take care of what he needs mm -hmm. because he's so busy pouring out into other people wow but he's a lot like his mom in that way mm -hmm. they're they, they've got a lot of the same heart and a lot of the same spirit so mm -hmm. i admire that about both of them i love that i love that I love the compassion you describe i love the voice of god you describe um, I, love he I love hearing about the passion behind the brand, right? The passion behind the coach and, and seeing, uh, I know your family is, is super important to you. So I love, I, love, I love hearing about it. So if you're tuning in, I'm here with Scott Mater. And you could find out his content on inspiredstewardship.com. Also on Facebook at Inspired Stewardship, Stewardship, Inspired Stewardship on Facebook. And then with Twitter, it's um, Steward Coaching. Right. Is that right? That's all right. All right. So then if you're tuning in, uh, this is the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. And also, be sure to like the podcast, rate it well, um, comment, share it, and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you.